Welcome to another episode of Pod for Good, a podcast where we learn from those doing good in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the world, why they care, what we can do, and most importantly, what you, the listeners, can do. Pod for Good is produced and edited by Random Productions, which is me. So if you like how we sound or thinking about starting a podcast, reach out to me. I'm easy to find. Pod for Good can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. So if you enjoy what we do here or find us in any way humorous or interesting, uh, please make sure to subscribe, share this episode on social media, and, you know, maybe leave us a review. That could be your Hanukkah slash Christmas gift to the both of us. I am your chief philanthropod and class clown for justice. Hashtag killing them with kindness, Jesse Ulrich. And I'm your vice admiral philanthropod and class clown for justice, seven swans a swimming, Chris Miller. In this episode, we are talking with the dearest friend of the pod, former city councilor of District 4, and just wonderful human being, Kara Joy McKee. We talked to KJ about what the future holds for her. Some of her favorite moments uh, as a city councilor with people caring very loudly at her. And we talk about the difference between being nice and being kind. Enjoy. Welcome again to former city councilor of District 4, Kara Joy McKee. How are you doing today? It's really fun to be with you all. I'm beyond honored that I, I get to be on this podcast so often. I hope I continue to have something interesting to say. If I don't, you know, let me know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> life one week out of city council has not become boring yet. I feel like the, the, the people who were constantly annoying you will probably, even though you're not in public office, still somehow find a way to be angry with you about something. So <laughs> we'll always have that audience to aim at. So <laughs> honestly, there was a city, there was a city of Tulsa truck sitting in front of my house. It looked like, you know, working in neighborhoods code enforcement today. And I'm like, has one of my trolls tried to call me on something? And I'm looking at my yard, like nothing here is offensive <laughs> to me. I, nothing is technically out of code. But as you guys know, I've had people call for things they didn't like that they thought should be out of code that weren't out of code before. I don't think it was about me. I think maybe, maybe it was even a city worker who felt like, Oh, I, I'm at KJ's house. I'm just going to chill here. This feels safe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> is, your, is, your, is your address public record? Uh, no, but you know, the, people, okay. people can find, find people me, certainly. Uh, but it, that was uh, a point of comfort when I didn't, dis- when I decided to not file again. Um, I don't have the same kind of stalker situation. Uh, unfortunately, my successor immediately had someone start sending hateful written letters to her home. TPD has been made aware. City staff has ma- been made aware. They're doing a great job protecting her as they did with me and, uh, and the situations I dealt with, but it's, <clears throat> it's really unfortunate. Do the, um, does this come up as uh, much with the other counselor or does this seem like a district four sort of issue? This is a district four thing for the most part. Now, Obviously, we know the mayor experienced some harassment from uh, left-wing extremists from Virginia a couple of years ago, as I recall. And there are some perennial antagonists who bother all the city councilors, at least a little bit on social media. But my, myself and Councilor Bellis have, have definitely encountered more of that than any, anyone else in, in my experience on the last five years So on council. So do, do you think it's because you're both women or because you're both Jewish or both? 
You know, I, I wondered at times, does, is the Judaism a factor in this? I don't think so. I think being young women, being young mothers, um, there, both of those things I think are factoring in. Uh, I, I, I worry, you know, I mean, heck we've got Homeland security warnings right now. Uh, actually on my, our last council day, Connie Dodson leaned over to me to show me on her phone, the Homeland security, um, update warning. Jews and homosexuals and everybody else who's who is in that group to to feel feel a little extra concerned that they they have issued a warning that that there's extra threat level right now which is oh I don't like being afraid ah makes me mad yeah do we do we still have the color coded fear system or do they they finally get rid of that (laughs) I don't know okay I always thought it was just it was I know it was supposed to be serious but it was always funny it's like ah it's a red day gotta feel red today. I just, yeah. it didn't seem like a, an adult way of framing the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to warn Jews to, uh, to feel worried. We're always worried. Sure. So, sure. you know, yeah. yeah. What a time to be alive. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And maybe a good time to get out of um, the public spotlight as much as you can. <laughs> well, and you know, I was told by Suzanne Schreiber who had been formerly on the school board, she said, you know, I expect you'll probably feel some survivor's guilt. That's what happened to me when she left the school board, looking back at her colleagues, dealing with uh, a lot of the tension, the hateful comments and whatnot. She felt bad that she was out of there and uh, she felt bad for them. And certainly I know I will, I will come upon that so far. So good. Uh, Last week's first city council meeting went well. It was interesting while we have uh, you know, three new city councilors and two of them, I have been on record saying that I've, I've seen them take some extremist positions. And I, I'm, I'm concerned about that. They did a great job. I thought there were some people who were mad at them online and kind of taking pot shots at little things they did wrong. And I felt defensive on their behalf, which I didn't expect, but becoming a city councilor and getting all the minutia right of how the meetings run is really, it's really tricky. And when the spotlight is on and you know you are not only like live on TV, but there might be news media, they're putting you on the nightly news. It's it's intense in a way that that people can't necessarily really anticipate. And it, it can it can fumble you up. It can confuse and, and distress. Uh, and I, I was talking to my spouse about it and he said, you know, we, we've got to get away from critiquing how they look or what they may be smoking or if they got the agenda topic right, because that's a really low bar. Like we really want to hold <laughs> yeah. them to like, are they good policymakers? Are they kind? Are they asking questions? Are, are, are they asking good questions, but really are they asking questions at all? Uh, how are they thinking about this and interacting with their colleagues? That's what I was looking for. And at least day one council meetings, there were no nasty moments where I felt like, Oh, oh those, ew. it was all, it was all productive. I'm going to keep watching though. Not like the Tulsa school oh, board, some of those meetings. Holy cannolis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> People just have a lot of yeah. pent up, pent up anger that they were forced to hold inside while they were, you know, while we all, well, while some of us purposely stay inside to keep other people safe and other people were forced to stay inside because they didn't care. I think there's, I think we're going to have a couple years of, we like engagement in a, the way we didn't want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. We'll see how that goes. This morning, I was listening to Michelle Obama's uh, new new uh, book, The Light We Carry. And she talked about the ways that many of us 
keep busy as a sort of a, a form of armor. It helps us keep going. And it's hard to get hit by the arrows that people are, are shooting your way or even feel them if you're busy. And, and, and you mentioned the pandemic, you know, those of us, whether voluntarily or, or forced to stay in, we lost a lot of our armor. And I think some folks found they didn't have the resiliency and some people we are seeing are really destabilized now. And, and getting them to an anchored, healthy, community-surrounded place, I'm not sure how we get there. I think we can. I think we have to or, or something else, but, but I'm not sure how to do it. Yeah, especially when, you know, even in situations where we'll say it's somebody making a point that I don't particularly agree with or don't think is... Uh, particularly helpful, it is a legitimate thing that they're feeling. And I think you're right. It feels like people have lost some of the ability to do it in a uh, sort of mature or professional manner, whether it's on a, a city council school board or people who come to talk to those groups. And so it makes it difficult to even acknowledge their point based on the method that they're using to make the point. Yeah. And so, and some of it is legitimate anger. I know with the, with some of the school board, you know, their feelings with whether it's how redistricting is happening or, you know, whether it's, it's school safety, which is very important. And it often comes from a place of things that they really care about, but then for whatever reason, the methods used just end up making it uh, an entirely unproductive meeting. And I don't know how you get past that. How do you get that to where, okay, let's figure out how we acknowledge the true issues, the true feelings, and try to solve for those while we get past the noise, if you right. will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I did my last town hall on December 4th, <laughs> the, on the 4th for District 4. I'm, I'm a goof. That's what I wanted to do. Um, held it at Benea Muna, which was really cool. And had expected about 40 people, and it was almost exactly 40 people who showed up. And what you what you said there brought that to mind because in my public meetings, I always try to really set ground rules for this is how we're going to talk to each other. And I remember people getting some backlash about that at first. People were like, we're, we're not kindergartners. We know to not talk over each other, and we know not to, <laughs> you know, uh, tell someone they're stupid because they like something that we don't like. And I, I, you know, that has not been my experience. My experience is that adults get carried away with their emotions and we, we all kind of lose track of how to make our points clear without being rude to uh, others around us that may disagree with us. And, and you're right. I think it's even more so now. So I, uh, I expect Councilor Bellis will have some, her own communication norms that she tries to, to make clear. Um, I, I know I, you know, I always have my meetings in the round. We're always in a circle so that we can kind of moderate each other. And you have to look at, at your peers, your fellow constituents. And, and as you're like, I, when we're, I, I, I don't like the structure of the city council offices or the city council chambers. It's very much like, a you know, a judge and a courtroom that we're up on the dais. We're very separate. It's, it's dark. It's gloomy. I, 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 I think it's terrible design. I also don't want us to spend city funds fixing it right now. But um, but when you are on the same level and you are face to face and you're all like, we are people here together figuring these things out, 
it lends itself to a, a whole different kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's funny as someone who got in trouble a lot as a child the the idea that being of a certain age or being at a certain point in life lets you bypass the standard rules of being told what the <laughs> function and form of your behavior should be in a certain situation, like cracks me up. Like no matter what age you are, you can be just as irresponsible as anybody else Mm -hmm. and just as immature and loud and Mm -hmm. stupid. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just know that inherently because of just watching myself. That's you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's me. It's me understanding that no matter what age I was at, like my behavior would be viewed would be like there's a bias right that we have towards the way kids behave versus the way adults behave and i don't have that bias because i clearly saw adults doing things that i was doing and not getting in trouble for it right or kids older than me yeah like for example when chris got when chris got in trouble for uh talking too much while asleep that's true that did happen to me right so I should have gotten in trouble for being asleep. <laughs> yeah. But no, you got woken up. It was the worst possible scenario. Yeah. Huh. So, so I know you haven't had much time and I know you need rest and you have medical issues you're dealing with, but now that you've spent some time like in it, mm-hmm. if what, what do you want to do? I guess is the question Ooh, now with myself. Yeah. Ooh. <sighs> I was in physical therapy this morning, getting like needles poked into my abdomen. <laughs> one of the one nice. of the therapies they're working on, working with me on, and um, and my physical therapist was coaching me on. Now remember, we're gonna baby steps. Start out slow with a- and and add things because my my tendency, my desire is like I'm gonna I'm gonna work out every thirty minutes. I'm gonna get just like oh I'm gonna get so healthy and I'm gonna go. Cr- crazy diet and whatnot. And I, you know, those things are running in my head while I rationally know ratcheting things up a bit at a time, slowly and thoughtfully is the, is the way to go. So my, my focus really is on, on getting healthy. Uh, again, you know, regardless of what people think of Barack Obama, Michelle Obama is a class act and reading her books has been really inspirational to me. I'm glad she just came out with another one. And thinking about the way seeing her father struggle with diabetes impacted her life, or no, was it MS? Forgive me. I think it was. I I I, I think it was MS. His long term health concerns. It it impacted me in in my thinking about what my daughter perceives as she's seeing me struggle with these health issues. Um, for the last couple of years, she's been seeing me struggle with health issues while giving an enormous amount of time to people outside the home. And she's very proud of me. She really wants me to help other people. She wants to help other people. She loved doing meals on wheels on Thanksgiving. She's loved packing the the care kits with the hot hands and the fresh socks and all that we're we're doing for Nightlight Tulsa. Um, But I don't want her to get to a point where she thinks she needs to take care of me. And that shapes the pressure that she puts on herself. Um, I feel really proud of myself and grateful to myself and to my family who encouraged me to step back. But what comes next? I don't know. 
once I, uh, I'm, I'm giving myself at least three months of just, you know, nurturing myself, taking care and thinking about what all is out there and where, where can I make the most difference? Certainly the things that keep me up at night. I've always loved science fiction because I became an environmental activist in fourth grade. I've known that like, whoo, things could get really, really bananas at some point in my lifetime and even more so in my daughter's lifetime. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I have more time to read fiction now and I'm thinking about <sighs> what kind of world is she going to be in and how can I make it livable for her on this planet? It At the same time that I am going toward thinking about the small things, what do I eat for breakfast? How do I receive her home when she gets home from daycare? Um, what, what does my home look like? Those, and my, my routines in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm looking at, okay, there are these humongous issues and I've worked in homelessness and food security. And, you know, even at the policy level now, as, as a city legislator developing all sorts of things, I I've got a, a, had a good bird's eye view of a lot of different topics but I come back again and again to, will it be livable <laughs> on this planet? Um, it's not a given. I think it's, it, it's absolutely possible for humans to, even with what the destruction we've, we've, we've done to our planet, to our ecosystems, to, to the you know, biodiversity and the air quality and all of that, for us to change the trajectory. Uh, I mean, we can't stop climate change from happening. That ship has sailed, but we can make things more livable. And I expect that may be the direction I go, but I have no idea what that looks like for me. It's sad that like, there's not the, and maybe it's a good thing, but like, you know, if you were a national politician, like a mm -hmm. congressman or Sander or whatever, like once you were done in office, you could like get some, you know, cushy, um, you know, lobbying job <laughs> while you decide what you're going to do next, but they don't have that for like local government or maybe they do. I don't know, yeah. but you know, not exactly. you deserve that. And, you deserve a cushy job. And do I want to lobby elected leaders right now? I certainly want to keep trying to help people understand the ways to talk to their elected officials. I, I love doing that with Oklahoma policy Institute before I was a city counselor. Um, I liked trying to explain it while I was in city council, but I've, I've got a whole lot more perspective on what that looks like on the receiving end now. So I still want to do that. But do I want to have to go to the Capitol all the time and lobby? Eh, maybe what I'd like to be a part of is, is being out there in, in nudging the culture shifts in ways that we're already going, figuring out like, okay, people really care about this. How do I get help us get over that hump to making making the changes that are necessary? How do I embolden the people around me to, to really do the things that many of us already feel like we should be doing? So if you're not quite sure what the future looks like. Let's look backwards a yeah. little bit. Um, what, what are some of your, uh, we'll say, favorite moments from being a city councilor? Good or bad? Mm -hmm. You know, they could be memorable or something fun that you were a part mm -hmm. of. What was the craziest thing yelled at you? <laughs> you know, et cetera. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Oh, um, I think a developer called me little lady once. And I was like, you really, oh. you really think that's going to fly? And it, it was during a council meeting. And like, 
It wasn't just all the women. It was everyone on the dais bristled. Like they, every, like I was sitting right next to Phil Lincoln and he was just like, the, you know, it's not okay. I felt so supported in that moment. <laughs> and yeah. Who thinks that's a winning oh argument calling somebody that? Yeah. Calling anybody. I mean, it was a, like, you don't, you don't know how these things work, little lady. And, and I, I, I got Ooh. to respond on my behalf and said, you know, I understand, sir, that, you have been used to things working a certain way, but as the person in the role of legislator, I'm, I'm letting you know things have changed. <laughs> and and uh, it, was, it was really a great moment. I felt like it set a tone and it gave me the opportunity to specifically lay out, this is my expectation for developers. You, you have to go above and beyond to reach out and connect with the neighbors when you're going to do something big in a neighborhood. It doesn't mean that I'm always going to say no to something just because neighbors don't like it because nimbyism is a problem, right? But it's always mm-hmm. important to have those discussions so that we're building society and our lived environment in ways that work for all of us. I, I've, I've thought a lot about my, my top moments. But Jesse, what, what were you about to say? I was just like, I'm, I'm still just flabbergasted by <laughs> someone saying that to you and thinking that was going to be a winning argument. Like, I think he he got overwrought oof. at that point. We had been, uh, you know, it was a super majority women on the council. I don't think he'd had to deal with that before, and uh, he wasn't actually a very old gentleman. He was he was a younger white guy who was used to this good old boy system that he was going to get his way, and he had been assured by somebody that this was just going to sail through, and. I and my colleagues were asking a whole lot of questions that he didn't expect to be asked. And he started feeling insecure, I think. He started feeling stupid and he wanted to put me in my place so that it would lift him up a little bit. And it didn't work out for him. Um, I hope that he learned something from it and is is utilizing better strategies now. <laughs> but... <laughs> So most importantly, what was his name and what was the development? No, <laughs> oh, it was long enough back that I can't remember exactly. I I I, I mm-hmm. get it wrong. Uh, and you're you're too nice. <laughs> well, I don't want to get it wrong yeah. and, and tell you, you know, someone who was actually a nice. That's true. I remember. That's true. If you're like me, you might hear estate planning and go, "Ugh, gross." You might think to yourself, I'm not sure why I'd bother with that. Estate planning is only for the uber-rich. Tallgrass begs to differ! Tallgrass founding attorneys Laurel and Riley think everyone should have an estate plan. They know estate planning seems untouchable to a lot of folks. Like something you have to do inside a stuffy law firm of Stuffy McLawyer Pants Esquire. But I promise you, Tallgrass is nothing like that. For one, they work out of their home so their clients can feel at home. They obsess, because they're nerds, over making clients feel like they belong and are supposed to be there. Also, their kids might make an appearance. They will take time to answer all of your questions, even the uncomfortable ones. They will work relentlessly to make sure your plan is exactly what you need to feel secure and at peace. So if you've been putting off planning for what's going to happen after you've gone, it's time for you to give Tallgrass a call at 918-770-8940 and start your plan today. Or visit their website at tallgrassestateplanning.com and schedule a free initial consultation. For free!
It's right there on the website. And of course, there's more, because this is a podcast ad. If you tell them you're a Pod for Good listener, they're going to take 25% off their service fees. Just tell them Pod for Good sent you. Stop thinking estate planning isn't for you and give Tallgrass a call today at 918-770-8940 or on their website, which I'm not going to read out to you again. It's in our show notes. Thank you, Tallgrass. It's funny, right. so many of the things I was able to work on, and I knew this going in, I knew this was kind of the time that we're in right now, that whether it was supporting Councillor Patrick and the mayor in the um, more inclusive policies we have within the city to make sure that transgender members of our city staff are, are, are not discriminated against, or whether it was making sure we cr- commemorate the race massacre in in a way that makes sense or declaring, you know, national Be- breastfeeding month and making sure that women feel secure in breastfeeding. Uh, there are a lot, there were a lot of identities that were a part of what I was um, discussing and working on. I know that some of my constituents found that frustrating, even, even the identity of being someone in poverty as we're looking at housing a whole lot, or, you know, my, my work initiating it, founding the, uh, Tribal Nations Relations Committee, so that the City Council can get on top of uh, of our intergovernmental um, collaborations and challenges. I know some folks found it frustrating and difficult that I was looking at those things. To me, it felt essential that we uplift these points of our diversity that we've all come to understand are a lot more important than we thought. It's not we're not aiming for a colorblind world anymore. We're not aiming to just erase the differences and all assimilate to the same thing. We, we want to celebrate the diversity. I, I, wanted, I wanted to be able to highlight and work on those things. But one of the things that I think, how to say this best, those things are essential and important and also not the most essential and important things about human beings to me. Those are not the most important things about who we are, whether um, it's our... They're extremely important. I want us to have the, I mean, we're coming up on Hanukkah. It's a, it's, it's about religious freedom. You know, I, those are extremely important to me and I want us to highlight them so that we can kind of set them aside and say, okay, or set them not aside, but on a shelf, like here are these things and we're going to be able to reference them, talk about them, utilize these strengths and diversities in, in our collaborations and what we do. And we're going to be able to get past those differences to talking about how we as individual human beings and as families and communities work together to make better societal connections and more smooth, healthy, vibrant, thriving communities. I, I felt I felt really privileged to be able to work on so many of, of those things that when we we look at the people who are struggling the most, it has always made sense to me that if their lives are improved, then those of us who struggle less will also have an easier time. Does that make sense? No, it's a really good yeah. point. I'm just sort of <laughs> yeah. moved by it. Uh, yeah. You know, Chris and I are like, well, there's no jokes there. It's uh, <laughs> no, no, no. a, oh, a really no. good point. We're like, well, we can't add anything to this conversation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's too heartfelt and meaningful. Yeah. <laughs> I should have brought some sound effects. I've got a rubber ducky around here somewhere. <laughs> I'll go. play like the NBC, the more you know after that. Yeah, there you um, go. I like that. Hey, 
people talking about all the time, like the hyper uh, polarization of our society, blah, blah, blah. And how like, I feel like a separate conversation, but eventually people are going to connect this is that there's been also a lot of like sociological discussion about the lack of community interactions that happen now versus 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, neighborhoods operate differently. Communities operate differently. Religious communities operate differently. And so we don't have those constant interactions with people we disagree with the way we used to. And that while it's good for us at the time, it's not good for us as a whole in society. Um, And I feel like now, like the interactions we do have with those we disagree with are always more hyper-focused on like a particular issue or a particular thing that is happening, which just raises everybody's anger and volume about it. And so there's no... You know, there's no, we don't, none of us, maybe you do, like none of us belong to like the four, eight, four H groups or, you know, um, what's the other thing called? Rotary club. Yeah. Rotary clubs, et cetera. Those type of things. Sure. The book club my wife and I have has been a good example of that because while it's focused around um, fantasy sci-fi books and we meet in bars and stuff like that, it does attract, um, all kinds of different people with very different political perspectives that raised differently. And, and so the type of books we choose, we often choose, um, you know, the books that win awards and those are sometimes more challenging. Some, some of them are just, you know, fun stories, but some are a little more challenging around ideas. And so we do get to sometimes have conversations that I don't really get to have anywhere else mm-hmm. with people who have very different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think they're insane. Um, and the, the things they say are, you know, stupid. But also we all, you know, because it's our, uh, we have kind of some set some expectations. We try very not hard not to say that I think you're insane. And I think what you're saying is stupid to each other and just try to have conversations about oh, it. I love that you have that. I want to have more of that. I haven't, I've had my, my colleagues on council, um, but interactions with people who don't have political agendas, but are just, you know, folks in public uh, who aren't interacting with me as a person in power. I'm really craving that. And oh, so excited to to get out there and have that again. I could be in a book club. Woo. That hasn't been a possibility for a while. <laughs> That's right. We do a book a month. You can find some sci-fi books. I love reading sci-fi. I may do this. Yeah, Chris. Text me about it. Let's. <laughs> we'll do. Yeah. We'll do. Yeah. I, yeah, I would so love what to if, see. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I'd love to see KJ keep like just say the. Well, that's interesting when someone says something you know ridiculously insane. <laughs> so um, tell me more about that. Like, oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Lot, listen, here's the thing. Even when someone says something stupid, right? That you think is stupid, I should say. Like my first instinct is not to shut them down. It's to be like, okay, can you explain this more to me? Because. Mm-hmm. We all, we all live lives through our own, the logic inside our own heads, right? And sometimes it is not clear to another person when you say something, how you got to that point. But I know right. that there were points that got you there. Even if some of those points are wrong, they were right to you. And I want to understand that because I want to understand people better, I even, yeah. even if they're wrong. Fascinating. People are so interesting. I had this great encounter in, in Lowe's recently, not a product placement. I was just getting some stuff and uh this podcast is not sponsored not by Lowe's. Sponsored. Lowe's if you're inter- if you're interested though we are open. Give them a call. <laughs> Just that out there. Um I was my daughter loves to go shopping. We don't always buy things. Um sometimes, you know, the hardware store is like 
for, for adults, what, what the toy store was for kids. And my, my daughter really hasn't got to experience a lot of toy store stuff. I mean, pandemic, and then mom just being like, let's not deal with that drama. And so she gets to go to the hardware store with me. We're walking around and uh, buying hot hands for those little packets we are making for nightlife Tulsa so they can get out, get them out there to people to keep them from freezing. And the guy who's helping us says, this is really nice what you all are doing. And oh, hey, there, we're doing customer appreciation. You should come. You should come on over. We're, we've got hamburgers and hot dogs on aisle 50. We go over there and it's all construction workers and me and my three-year-old. And, you know, we get some food and we sit down and we're talking with them. And it was some of the most authentic, just normal conversations. I used to work in landscaping and light construction. It felt really comfortable for me. I, I, I could tell they were maybe looking at us like, do you guys belong here? This is a little, you know, but they were really, really <laughs> sweet guys that we were talking to. I spoke some Spanish to some. One young guy sat across from me and he was like, man, end of the week, you know, I'm out of money. I, I wasn't sure what I was going to have for lunch today. I'm so glad this was here. And, you know, just grounding me in that reality, um, that this is just mm -hmm. a nice, fun thing for us. But, and I, rem and remembering what that, that felt like when, when I was running out of money, um, and, and realizing how many people around us aren't accessing services, but, but need help that way. And then we yeah. had a guy sit down and he had, uh, you know, and it, it was like an, uh, an American flag, but black and white. And the shirt said, I identify as vaccinated. And I was like, I'm not sure what he's going for there. I think this is sarcasm. I'm not sure, but I, you know, I said hi to him. I talked to everybody and, and mm -hmm. he was like, Hey, and I mentioned the whole, my, uh, oh yeah. My daughter said, we, we should go to another store after this. Like she's just jamming on, we're going to stores today. And he said, you know, you yeah. need to take her to Macy's next. They've got Toys R Us's there now. And, and I mentioned, you know, she hasn't really also not sponsored by either of those. Um, uh, I mentioned she's not really been to toy stores because of the pandemic and, and whatnot. And he said, you mean the pandemic? <laughs> and, and my daughter says, what's the pandemic? And he said, the L stands for liberal. And uh, I, in that moment, if I had been on my own, I would have engaged him some more. I would have asked more about like, okay, how is it that you think American liberals created this disaster, worldwide disaster and why why would that be the case or you know just just dream dream out and, and had a conversation but instead because my daughter's there i just kind of shrugged and took a bite of my sandwich oh yep right we we all of this is to say we come come around to we finish eating we're leaving i'm saying my goodbyes say a really friendly good, goodbye to him and he comes out around uh, about five minutes later, he seeks us out uh, down another aisle and says, Hey, Hey, you guys should really, you know, while you're here, go, go over to the, the area with the, the discounted stuff. There's some really fun stuff over there that she might really like. And, and he's, he's enthusiastically telling me about, about something that he thinks would be nice for me. And I know that I, I have this knowledge that we have, have these real political philosophical divisions. He's not sure about that. I felt a little like, oh, mm -hmm. did I betray myself that I didn't, that I didn't challenge him. But I, what, what I was feeling more than anything was this really good human connection that this person now feels like they're looking out for me. Um, and my daughter, and it was really, it was, it was the most poignant day at a big box store. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> yeah. You know, and this is, I have time for things like that. Thank you. Thank you, Lowe's. Right? Yeah. I have time for things like that now, not being a city councilor. I can wander around a big box store and interact with other human beings on a level that I couldn't. And we're in a place, I mean, I've started masking again just recently in most places because all of the respiratory viruses that are going on. But at that moment, I didn't have one on. And he was wearing something to try to say, I am someone different. And I wasn't wearing that, uh, though I, I sometimes do wear my Vaccinate the 918 shirt. And and we made this really human connection. I want more of those, those connections for all of us. I think humans need that, those those really genuine, gentle connections with strangers. It It seemed to me that it meant something to him that he could impart something. And maybe he was coming up because he could tell he made me a little uncomfortable and he was trying to like give something nice to me and my daughter. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what his motivation for, but it was nice. So here's the thing. Like I didn't think by year three of Pot for Good, this is where we'd be, where we'd have to defend the fact that people are allowed to have their own opinions, even if they're wrong. And we should respect them <laughs> up to a certain point. Right. But like, how do we have interactions like that where both parties where both parties have to feel a little uncomfortable, right? Because he should have to feel uncomfortable for just blurting that out. Like, yes, Lowe's does seem like a safe place to be that person, right? But we all shop at Lowe's or Home Depot, depending on which one's closer. (laughs) Um, And what our politics are about how we Mm -hmm. shop at places and whether the CEOs donate to certain certain political parties or not, whatever. Well, and that's the thing. We we all find ourselves often in our own bubbles, right? I mean... Where I live in District Four, the you know political makeup is substantially different than what you'd see further south in Tulsa, and even more so than the suburbs. And so, I tend to interact with people who are, if not more liberal, at least uh, more centrist. And and if they are conservative, it's more centrally leaning. <laughs> Uh, conservatives. And so for me, um, I see this happen sometimes either with me or friends or colleagues where we're sometimes surprised when we run into someone who thinks something very different yeah. or, or have those discussions. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it is interesting to kind of remember that. And, and I see it a lot the other direction too. people who, you know, maybe live in the suburbs and they know Oklahoma as a red state. So they assume everyone they talk to going to be very red in that way and so in a situation like this the guy was probably very comfortable saying what he said to you because he assumed that the majority of the people he's going to talk to are going to think the same Mm -hmm. way and depending on which lows in tulsa he may be right Mm -hmm. some may be very much that way and others wouldn't Mm be so I, i do think that's interesting too both our our online and physical bubbles we tend to create around mm-hmm, ourselves mm-hmm. i mean i just i feel like this has to be said like oh, liberals and progressives get attacked a lot for being in our own bubbles and whatnot and i feel like the most important thing to remember is that literally we are all in bubbles so like the majority of oklahoma is in a conservative bubble where they only hear the things they personally agree with and so we everybody likes to be around people who sort of quasi agree with them but like that goes both ways And so they also need to be open to the fact that they are also in bubbles. And so they're also always just getting a rehashed version of the thing they already believe. Like, I like arguing with people I disagree with. Yeah. I truly do. Because that's the only way I learn more about the things I believe in. Yeah. Right. And there are plenty of things I believe in that are irrational. 
And I understand that. And that's good for me to know that. Like that Jesse believes that momentum doesn't exist in sports. It doesn't. (laughs) It doesn't. It's just cause and effect of plays. Anyway. Here's the thing. It can can exist in someone's mind. It doesn't exist in the reality of the game. If that that makes sense. All right. Like a player can believe the momentum has shifted, but it hasn't. They're just playing better. Uh Uh, anyway, one of my friends is a, a, a pastor. She's one of my former constituents, now fellow constituents of District Four. Um, likes to ask really thought-provoking questions on on Facebook, and uh, she asked the other day, "What is something that you believe that other people are just pretending to like, but nobody really mm. likes it?" And it was really funny all the answers. And I tried to think of something that, and I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything to add there, but I did go through. And refute a lot of the things that people had posted because I, I I like a lot of strange things for one. And, you know, there are things like blue cheese. I love blue cheese. And there were, Mm, you know, um, I, one of the, I mean, one of the reasons I, I went to switch my major from botany to ethnobotany and studying anthropology was because I really got fascinated about the diversity of human experience and how, there's for just about everything out there, there's somebody who, who likes it or doesn't like it. Um, being in that role in city council gave me even more of a spectrum of, of different kinds of people to, to interact with. Um, I am in some ways enjoying being a little bit more in my bubble, but in other ways, I'm really excited to get the chance to be outside my bubble in a way that doesn't put me in the spotlight like that guy Mm -hmm. at at the the store might have recognized me but i don't think he did i don't think he did that that time i there's a look people get in their eye when they recognize me um Mm. and one of my favorite things to do is to poke a little pinhole in someone's conception of reality and let some new ideas leak in. I know that's something I've enjoyed in my own life. Every time I get to discover something that blows my mind, that Mm -hmm. opens up this whole other door of possibilities, I want to share the joy of curiosity with other people. Some people hate that. It it makes them feel really uncomfortable. Uh, I'm not for everyone, I've learned. (laughs) (laughs) But for so many of us, it's it's healing, I think. Speaking of that, so I know you've done a lot of town halls and constituent meetings and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> what what has been some of the um, either most interesting or most difficult of those meetings? You know, have there been particularly contentious topics that kept cropping up or uh, people who have, as Leslie Nope would say, have cared really loudly <laughs> at you? Oh, the the centennial pond that was maybe going to uh the the second centennial pond that was going to be built in the pearl district that certainly got really heated and it's now outside district <laughs> four that. right the pond people the pond people I, I i say that fondly um uh they're you know they're now in district one i've talked to Councillor hall harper and helped make some introductions for her and then we'll continue to do that because i think it's not completely off the table we have the highest stormwater quality management rating in the U.S. or one of the, the top. 
um, and have for a long time. And I know our engineers really want to keep that. But we also have people who have historic neighborhoods that they want to keep. And it's a real dynamic tension there. I'm really excited to finally get a chance to finish reading uh, Confessions of a Recovering Engineer. Uh, for, forgive me for forgetting the, the author's name at the moment. Um, but a friend in city planning gave it to me. We, you know, thinking about the way we over-engineer the, the built environment. And, and in the same way, we talk about bike lanes. That's something that it came up in a neighborhood association meeting last week. And it was it was literally a guy giving a, a two-minute speech about why he wants to be treasurer of our neighborhood association. And he decided to go off about bike lanes. <laughs> Which then prompted someone else to run for treasurer because he liked the bike lane. And it was this hilarious moment where, uh, you know, we had this failure in communication in city city hall about the bike lanes. I think largely because Nick Doctor was let go uh, from the mayor's team before we got the whole bike lane rollout. And I think having Nick in there mm-hmm. in that strategic uh, spot would have really helped. But the follow through on, on all of that. But Sometimes it's little things. Sometimes it's really big things. More often than not, it's about people's houses, their homes, where they travel, where they live. Sometimes folks uh, seem just just furious at their neighbors for for things that I, I I'm trying to think of an example that that just aren't aren't the biggest issues. And I. Instead of pointing that out to them, one of the things that I love doing in town halls is just one of my rules has been to let everyone speak once before anyone speaks again. And that means that if somebody brings up something that's just kind of out there and not it's their own pet peeve and it's not really a, you know, in the Maslow's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, not 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 right there at, at the base concern um, that that becomes evident to them in hearing from other people instead of me having to point out, yeah, I get that that's bugging you. I think you can handle it yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you tried having a conversation right. about it? Oh, and that's so often people come to city council or their elected officials at any level before they actually talk to their neighbors. I think we have a lot of irrational fear of the people around us. It was, mm-hmm. it's, one of the things that people don't realize about my work uh, in getting elected is that in addition to knocking doors myself, I also encouraged my friends and people who love and know me to get out there and knock with me. One, because I knew they could represent me well. They could actually tell people who I was from their own lived experience, as opposed to like, you know, a hired door knocker who can give you a, a card, but doesn't actually know the person. But also it let the people in my circle get a little bit of boost in their faith in humanity because when you knock people's doors, you invariably, you you talk to 50 people often. I mean, you can go days knocking doors and not encounter anyone who's mean or weird at all. Mm-hmm. I, I can think of two instances where I felt a little threatened and afraid. Uh, the rest of the time people, and I, I think that's gone up some recently, uh, but but really the vast majority of people when they're face to face with another human being default to kindness. It was very interesting when um, Jesse and I uh, knocked doors for the Terrence Crutcher Foundation wow. doing one of their community walks. And it just, it really does seem like like everyone should should do that. Go mm-hmm. and actually talk to people who are living a different life than mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. And you're right, the vast majority of the people we talk to were um kind to us there were 
there was one particular guy that had some interesting conspiratorial ideas, mm-hmm. but yep. the the interesting thing was there was another neighbor there and kind of called him out a little bit. Cause like the, the guy was saying something about, you know, nobody ever comes out and asks us what we want. And the guy was like, it's literally what they're doing right now, <laughs> you know, kind of, which is great, which is great. But no, it was, it was fascinating because it was a section at Tulsa that's not too far from where I live, but one that I'd never been in, had never, it was a neighborhood uh, north of TU, just south of 244, yeah. never had a reason, particular reason to be yeah. there. And so I hadn't. And so walking through that with Jesse and talking to some people, it was just really fascinating to to learn what kind of things they cared about, what they wanted, make sure that they understood the importance of local voting and to get out the vote and everything else. And so, yeah, it was, it was fascinating. I love that you guys did that. And yeah, I, it, in addition to explaining why the importance of getting out the vote, I found that people are more motivated to vote when someone just wants to listen to them and, and is giving them the authentic experience of someone caring about what matters to them as an individual. And we were also given another reason to hate I-244, which I'm always looking for. So because <laughs> they were like, what happens with all that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would love, I, you were talking about issues that like, um, people, uh, people say they agree with, but they don't, don't might not necessarily care as much as the person saying it. Like, I, I really want to poll on the people who say they want to tear down I-244. Like how many of us are truly in what I used to call my camp, which is like, let's blow it up right now. Like we're done. With it. <laughs> yeah. Which I know there'll be some compromise that I'll be annoyed with, but any, anything is better than what exists yeah. now. So let's, let's move it down to the ground and make it like a, a, a thoroughway or whatever yeah, like they have boulevard. in, uh, in yeah. New York state. Yeah. Boulevard. There um, you go. Boulevard. Yeah. We don't need to make an underground tunnel. That's insane. No. I mean, that's cool, yeah. but well, that's insane. And we can't hear anyway. So, you know, the water table and such. You know, uh, unless we can get one of like Elon Musk's like funky tunnels, the whatever they're called, because they're going so well. Anyway, <laughs> Dave Chappelle brought him on stage apparently uh, yesterday, oh, I think, and he got booed off stage. Oh, I'm like, good. That's funny. So, yeah. If I met one of the richest people in the world, I would also boo them too. <laughs> There's no reason for anyone to be a billionaire. I always think about it this time of year because I remember a year that my dad sold his guitar that he was given as a present when he was 12 years old. He sold it to buy presents for my sister and I. I didn't find this out until I was an adult, but I was I was brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. I have these really fond memories of my dad playing guitar. And that was much more valuable to me than any gift, you know, any stuffed animal or whatever he could have given me. But there's just this tremendous pressure on people to give gifts yeah. to everybody and especially to make sure their children feel valued mm-hmm. and as, as good as the next kid by getting all of this stuff that we mostly don't need. And it puts, it puts tremendous pressure. And I've, oh, I've been thinking about it. I was, I, I have, I've had a cold for the last five days. I'm, I'm better now, but, um, uh, I was, you know, angry, sore throat stewing about the, um, the, our, our so far, you know, inability to raise the minimum wage and, I'm just thinking again, like there, there is no need for anyone to be a billionaire. That's just super not necessary. And we end up with things like that by not paying the people who are doing the work a living wage. Nobody should be 
at this time of year, working three jobs and not spending the holidays with their children to make sure that their children can have Mm -hmm. food and shelter and a bunch of gifts. Like nuts, it's happening all around us in Tulsa. It's so many more people than we see when we're thinking about traditional assistance Mm -hmm. programs. The wage poverty in Oklahoma is, is bonkers. I love that the United Way always presents that at most um, functions, whenever they're kicking off like their campaign and stuff like that, they always talk about that and how, you know, part of it is, I'll say selfishly in that showing the value of all of these programs and, um, you know, giving to the United Way is that the, to try to normalize the usage of services, right? That so many people who have jobs, multiple jobs, have to use the United Way partner agency services, right? right? Because they don't make enough. And as part as how they illustrate that is they show what it costs a typical family just to live versus what somebody who is minimum wage or minimum wage plus is making and how there is a legitimate shortfall and how it gets even worse depending on which service is using which percent of the poverty line. And so some people, when they actually start to work their way up from minimum wage, become worse off because they no longer qualify for, say, Sooner Care or some services that are tied to a different level of poverty than others. And so as as a society, because we're not paying... Uh, enough in wages, everyone is having to pay for it in other ways, whether it's through our donations, through our taxes, or through just loss of of humanity, because some people just don't use the services and suffer. Yeah. And it is pretty heartbreaking, especially this time yeah, of year. It really is. I, I would love to do a thought experiment. Like we take a poll of everyone in the world. What is the most money some person should be allowed to have? <laughs> is it 5 billion? Is it 10 billion? Yeah. Right. Because at a certain point, you can't spend all right. of it. Mm-hmm. And so do like, do we want a, a, a world in a society where the goal is just to get as much as you can, even if you can't do anything with them, they have to give it all away when you die. You know, I get people on a regular basis asking me up and up and to even beyond the when Laura Bellis got inaugurated to replace me, asking me, like, why is it like this? Why is Tulsa in such bad shape um, with regard to unsheltered? citizens and it's not nearly what it is in some other cities uh where we're actually in in much better shape and we are on a path if we stay the course to really really making sure that that, that homelessness is brief um you know and and uh and, and short and non-recurring but um but it brief rare and non-recurring that's what they they say at, at housing solutions but um yeah it's it's a it's a really strange time when you can have so many people working so many hours and not able to make ends meet and to know that these people are caring for our elders and our children and making our food and doing all sorts of things around us every day and they're not able to focus on what they're doing because they're either exhausted or they're really worried or more likely both you know, I've heard some rumblings at the federal level about the possibility of legislation to increase uh, wage transparency. And uh, I would love, I would love to be able to see what companies are paying a fair wage and vote with my dollars and only go to places that I know are actually 
you know, investing in living wages for their employees that they understand the value of keeping someone on their staff, not having to constantly retrain and, and, and that they are, um, you know, they're valuing the, their employees the way any human being should be valued for their time and efforts. Yeah. Um, that would be, that would be amazing. That would be one, one mm-hmm. of my American dreams <laughs> to know that that's, that's what's going on. Uh, I, I almost snapped at someone the other day who was far across the the store from me, but I heard him snap. I, 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 I wanted to say something to, to a fellow customer who was rude to the cashier behind the counter. Mm-hmm. And if I had been closer, I would have. Um, because oh, this time of year is just so hard on people who are working yeah. retail, um, so many other jobs. And, uh, and, and, and folks get out there and they, you know, and who knows what was going on with him, but he took it out on someone else. And that wasn't okay. I have all these philosophical think dreams of like, what could I do to help people be nicer? I don't know. Maybe that's going to be part of my path past city council because, and maybe it's just going to be hanging out, talking to you guys more. Like, how do we get people to think about these things? Because I think when people actually pick it apart and think things through to their logical conclusions, more often than not, people actually want us all to be nicer to each other than we are. Yeah. Honestly, if that was what we sort of aim to make 2023 about is just trying to be kinder to people, I would be 100% on board Yay. with that. Myself yeah. included. Because I, mm-hmm. I literally a couple of days ago, I was rushing to get downtown and it had rained. And you know how Telsons are when it rains. Yeah. And <laughs> I was just getting very angry at everyone else on the road. And I was like, you know what? Like, I don't live their lives. I have not experienced the things they've experienced. Maybe they have reasons to be going 15 miles below the speed limit. Right. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm still going to drive around them quickly. I'm just not going to yell at them so right. much. Right. I have to like, like, just... coach myself mentally on, on in moments like that as well. Yeah. And I think all of us yeah. could do with like giving, being prepared to give ourselves a pep talk. When this person does X, Y, or Z, I will be ready for it. I, you know, that yeah. was one of my things on, on city council that I, I, I remember someone saying, how are you ready to respond when your colleague did that. And I, I could say, I knew that that was going to come. I think we talked about it last week or last time I talked to you all the racial dog whistle that I was ready to, ready to call out. I knew it was coming. And so I prepared for it in the same way. Like I can say, I know that this person's going to get up here and say this. And there are numerous ways I can handle this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And be prepared. So yeah, be prepared for aggressive kindness in 2023. Yeah. I think that's the lesson. <laughs> I'm going to be nice to you, damn it. <laughs> well, and it's pointing out that other people should be nice to other people that's- too. Like we all, like a lot of us are conflict diverse and especially in a public setting, you feel weird like scolding another adult to be nice, but how else are they going to learn that what they're doing is wrong? Like just like with a child, like you have to point out the fact that what they're doing yeah. is wrong. And mm-hmm. so- aggressive kindness i'm gonna put that on a shirt we'll start selling that i like it uh, i like it right I, I, yes. you know being nice i think we we so often you know if you can't say something nice don't say anything at all has been drilled into a lot of people but being nice i don't think is the same thing as being kind i am i am not always nice some people find that rather gauche i think because i'm going to tell people when i think they're doing something that's hurtful but i think it's a kinder thing to help the people around you grow it's what mm-hmm. i want from my peers yeah. in society if i'm messing up i want someone to to call me in and say do you see the repercussions of your actions here i i really do want that i i was talking about it with a, a family member recently that 
one of my mentors taught me that, 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 um, that constructive criticism is a gift and you should encourage people to give generously. Yeah. 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 But yeah. But being nice, being nice is, I, I'd say like being nice feels more like continuing the status quo while being kind is trying to change something. And, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. Oklahomans and Telsons are, are especially good at being nice, but being nice doesn't get anything yeah. done. So and we've got a lot to do. Yeah. Aggressive. We've kindness. got a lot to do. I, I think a lot yeah. of the ways we've been destabilized are not, are not going away. I, I think yeah. instead of, uh, asking ourselves, when will this end? When are we going to get past this? We have to figure out, you know, how can we be resilient in the face of whatever it continues to come our way? Uh, You know, those of us who knew, who were paying attention to science and knew that we would have pandemics and, you know, antibiotic resistant bacteria and all of these things on the horizon knew that at some point we're going to get to an age of that kind of thing. Well, it seems that we are there and we are in the age of like climate related disasters and other things like that. We can't wait, try to just hunker down and wait till we can get to the end of this. We have to figure out how can I be a high level functioning, healthy human being and make the best life I can for myself and the others around me while things are bonkers. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think this whole discussion is a great place to end our episode because I'm more going to have to edit a lot of this down. Uh, oh, I was going to ask her to rank all of her uh, city council <laughs> colleagues from uh, worst to best. Do we not have time for that? We, I, we don't not. have time for that. You know, she wouldn't do it anyway. <laughs> She's too nice. She's too kind. She's too kind to do you know, you, giving, giving. I will. Gi- I would give this feedback directly to them, though. That's the kind thing to do, right? You know? That's yeah. right. Who who should be the most kind? Ooh, who should be the mi- most kind? Yeah, like w- w- which counselor needs to work the most on kindness? <laughs> no, I can't do that. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, all right, right. You know, fine. different people are kind so, about different things. Yeah, good, 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 good politician answer okay. there, KJ. You still got yeah, it. Yeah, it would take a whole other podcast well for me to explain the minutia of who all these people are and what they should be more kind about, myself included. <laughs> You just need to start recording your own and then just send there it to people. Go. Here, I got all my thoughts down yes. for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, KJ, thank you again, as always, for talking to us. We're excited to see what you do. And but after you have rested and recovered. So it's been it's been a stressful couple of years for you. And also, we don't just value you for what you do. We value you as Aww, a person. Thanks. So Yes. I value you guys, too. I'm really excited to get to see you in person as well as on here. This is delightful. It really is. Thank you for... For, for doing Pod for Good and for welcoming me here to have these really interesting conversations. It's made my Monday. Great way to start the week. Thank you all for listening to our episode with KJ. If you want to help KJ, just leave her alone for a little while. She needs some time. It's been, it's been hard. But you can follow her posts on Facebook as she just enjoys not having to deal with all of your shit. Uh, as always, Pod for Good can be followed anywhere on social media, but mostly on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram. I am attempting to share some audiograms on TikTok, but TikTok does not make it easy. So good luck finding us there. And of course, please subscribe and leave us a review if you can. As always, Telsa, get it done. And for once, I'm gonna let Broken Arrow off the hook. Be kind to one another out there. 
despite them bringing in uh, the Live Golf Tournament, funded by a regime of mm. well, Broken Arrow. Uh, broken, just saying. I'm gonna be. I'm just saying. Maybe don't let them arrow, off the hook. You know what you need to do. I'm gonna be kind and not curse at you this time. Everybody, stay safe out there. Be kind to one another, especially your family during Columbus, and also be kind to all of the retail workers, airports, and airline employees you run into this holiday season. A good day. God damn it, Broken Arrow. You just can't stop. You're terrible. <laughs>